This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Father's Day edition of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Good morning, Naz, and happy Father's Day to you. Same to you, Wally. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Talking about Father's Day, I have uh, very, very good memories of your dad, uh, Naz. We spent a lot of time when we were younger uh, watching the Leafs together. He was a big Leafs fan and... uh, I guess one of the big Leaf uh, Leaf critics. We re- we had a lot of fun watching the yeah. Leafs with your dad in the, in the mid 1970s. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. He was a big time Leaf fan, and it's uh, World Cup too. And he was a fan of Italy, of course, being Italian. And uh, it was great times for sure. Fantastic. And so to all the fathers out there, have a fantastic uh, Father's Day. What a magnificent couple of days in sports. Uh, the two sports uh, that I, I have at the top of my priority list that I absolutely love to watch have both come together at the same time. Stanley Cup hockey and World Cup soccer. And uh, an incredible finish to the Stanley Cup finals Friday night. A game for the ages, I would say, from beginning to end. And some wonderful soccer on the pitch, as they say. Uh, some Fabulous soccer and a great start to the World Cup. Some interesting issues off the pitch. No but, kidding. Uh, off the pitch, but the soccer's been phenomenal, and we'll talk. We'll certainly talk uh, quite a bit of World Cup soccer today. But let's start off and finish off the hockey season. Although hockey's never finished, but uh, Stanley Cup Finals Friday night, double overtime. Alec Martinez finishes. Who's Alec Martinez? Well, he scored the winning goal in Game 7 against Chicago, too, so he's kind of the hero twice. That's uh, Where do they he's, find a, he's a really good defenseman, though. He plays on the second unit of the power play, and uh, he's really tough in front of the net, clears bodies out. Uh, he's a he's a decent player. No question he's a, he's a talent. I, I um, In second overtime period, uh, he finds himself a defenseman uh, up near the other team's net. That's Sometimes gives coaches heart attacks, but in this particular case, won a Stanley Cup. And so it was an incredible overtime. That's probably one of the best ones I've seen. Uh, they, the action was back and forth, and uh, New York hit a couple of posts or crossbars, and so did the Kings before uh, the Kings won it. But uh, exciting game, really exciting game. Um, have to give some credit to the New York Rangers. There's a team that nobody thought middle of the season they were behind the up until about 20, 15, 20 games left, they were actually behind the Toronto Maple Leafs in points. And um, Oh, bite your tongue, Wally. Oh, <laughs> they were. It's a Yeah, fact. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but they uh, they had an incredible playoff run. I've got to give give credit to it. Uh, went as far as anybody thought they would go. Alan Vignon, I would say, did a, a remarkable job. 
getting them ready for the playoffs. Had a great run. A couple of breaks here and there in that Stanley Cup final uh, series that very easily could have been a different series, could have gone longer, could have been a seven-game series, and uh, who knows what, what could have happened. So they certainly gave L.A. everything L.A. could handle, and L.A.'s a, LA's a remarkable team. Yeah, they won three games in overtime, uh, L.A., out of the four, so they, it, was, it was pretty close. The Rangers did play well. But the Kings just have that uh, extra... I don't know what you call it. They got that extra juice going, and uh, they they always come through. They were down. They lost the first two games to San Jose, 7-2 and 6-3. They lost game three to San Jose, 4-3. They're down 3 nothing, and they end up winning the Stanley Cup. You know how difficult that is? They, certainly, L.A. Kings this year, um, one of the more resilient teams uh, I've ever seen, as, as you said, Naz. Come back from a 3 um down 3-0 to uh, San Jose. Game 7 in Anaheim. Game 7 in Chicago. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that was, an, that was over, double overtime or overtime? Double overtime. Double overtime, Game 7 in Chicago. In Chicago. In Chicago. Of all places, right? Uh, the Madhouse on Madison. And uh, down 2 nothing. Uh, first two games in the, in the Stanley Cup Finals. They win those in overtime. Um, just a remarkable team. And Ooh. what's scary for the rest of the NHL, um, a young team, relatively young. The core of the team is uh, is relatively young. And the core of the team is signed um, into the foreseeable future. So the LA Kings look like they are going to um, be, a, be around the Stanley Cup playoffs for, for a few years from here on in. Tough getting out of that Western Conference, though. Very, very difficult. But LA has done has won the Stanley Cup two out of the past three years, and they deserve the Stanley Cup this year. Now, we were talking about this earlier. Daryl Sutter, does he not become one of the best coaches in the NHL? One, one of the, you, like, you, I took a look at his record. It's uh, incredible what he's done with San Jose, Calgary, and Chicago, and, and you, you, LA. We, we disagree on a lot of things, Nas, but on Daryl Sutter, he's he sort of flies below the radar. Uh, he's not, you know, you don't hear him in Mike Babcock conversations. Uh, you don't hear him in the conversations of the elite coaches in the NHL. All he does is produce results. And and he seems to allow his players to play. Um, they've got, you know, they play they play a disciplined game, but they play a game where, you know, Sutter takes advantage of the talent that he has. And obviously, in my estimation, the, 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 you know, aside from all the other talents he has on the team, he has, he has Drew Doughty, which you know, every other team in the league would love to start off a team with Drew Doughty. But he lets Drew Doughty play. He lets him play his game. So Doughty's all over the ice, seems to be playing over half the game. Every now and then, Doughty will make a mistake. There's no question. There were yeah, points in this series where he made mistakes. But that's, you know, that's what great players do who push the envelope. And that's what Drew Doughty does when he plays. He pushes the envelope offensively. He's gritty in his own zone. And, um, and Sutter lets him play. He says, I've got this talent. You know, you go out and play. I'm not going to put a leash on you. Uh, you want to go into the offensive zone. And Alec Martinez is... You know, his, his Stanley Cup winning goal is an example of that. You know, Sutter will let his players play. And I, and I, I just get the sense that his players just love him because of that. 
Yeah, no question about it. Now, we were talking about Mike Richards coming to the Leafs. So we had this discussion with our, our producers and uh, and us. Uh, I don't like that signing. I, I'm hearing that they're trying to sign him or trying to get him because uh, L.A. is going to buy him out. I don't think that's the right move for the Leafs. I don't think that Richard. I think Richards is on his decline, and uh, he's not suited for that for the Leaf team. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. Just to remind listeners, this is a call-in show. Give us a call, four one six three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. As we, uh, this is the second incarnation of the Pizzaville trivia contest. We have a fifty dollar Gift coupon available at Pizzaville. Um, take it over. Tell us what's the what's the question to call in and uh, and answer. Here's the question of the week: Who scored the winning goal for Italy in their two one victory over England yesterday? The number four one six three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Fourth correct answer will win the prize. Please give us a call. Answer that question. $50 gift certificate at Pizzaville. Who scored the winning goal for Italy in uh, last night's game against England? We'll certainly be talking about that during the show and, uh, and have a talk quite a bit about World Cup soccer. Uh, just to finish up on uh, the NHL playoffs, Conn uh, Smythe Trophy winner. Um, there were a lot of deserving candidates on, on the LA Kings and... Um, you know the the trophy was awarded to Justin Williams. I'm not going to criticize that choice. He was certainly he's now known as uh, you know the cr- the clutch go-to player in the playoffs. Uh, Jeff Carter certainly had a fantastic uh, Stanley Cup final. Um, Drew Doughty, my personal favorite. Uh, Marion Gabrick received some consideration. Anzi Kopitar uh, just shows you the depth that the LA Kings have that you could have picked. Any one of five different players, and they and uh, that were deserving of the Conn Smythe Trophy. You know, you got to look back at uh, Jeff Carter. Now, I didn't, I didn't like him as a player, but as as time goes on, he, he he's grown on me, and he played a great playoff. The LA turnaround of two of uh, in their first Stanley Cup happened when they traded for Carter uh, before the trade deadline. And L.A. started to fly, and they won the Stanley Cup. Carter has a lot to do with it. Anyways, take a quick call before we go to break from uh, Sam in Brantford. Uh, Sam, uh, what's, on your, what's on your mind this yeah, morning? What's on my mind is uh, I used to play hockey. I was a goalie. And what I like to see in the NHL is if the puck hits a referee and it changes the, uh, the way the puck is going to go to another player, I think the whistle should be blown. Because technically, if it hits the referee and if somebody on another player from another team gets the puck and scores, to me that should be nullified. Oh, good, good uh, response. I, yeah, I, because I like to see, like, I mean, if it hits the boards, that's part of the game. But a referee, one, I, the way I look at it, in the in the neutral zone, I can understand it. But if the result is a direct result of a goal, I think once the puck hits the referee or a linesman, the penalty. Um, the play should be stopped and uh, a face-off occur. Sam, th- thanks so much for your call. Naz, res- quick response before we go to break. The referee's always been part of the game in the NHL. I, w- I wonder, I'm not sure what the rule in soccer. If it hits the referee and goes in, is it a goal? That's a good question, right? I, Quite frankly, we'll, I don't know we'll, the answer we'll find, to that. We'll find out in, we'll during the break. We'll find out.
But very okay. good call. Anyways, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take your calls when we come back from break, and we'll be coming back and talking about World Cup soccer. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville became the official pizza of the Rogers Cup, presented by National Bank. We are giving away 25 pairs of tickets to the finals weekend between now and July 31st, plus four front row tickets to the final match. We're the official pizza because Pizzaville pizza is like a hard serve. It's so good, you can't return it. Boom! Details at pizzaville.ca or 416-736-3636. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, once again, our call-in number, 416 416- Three six zero zero seven four zero toll free one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. The Pizzaville fifty dollar coupon is still up for grabs. Please give us a call at those numbers. The trivia question of the week is who scored the winning goal in the for Italy in the two one victory against England last night. World Cup soccer Naz off to. Uh, a uh, good start and a bad start. The bad part, um, you know, controversy this week still over the uh, alleg- allegations about uh, the fixing of the awarding of the games to Qatar in 2022, I believe. And uh, a story broken in the English media that uh, Sepp Blatter, FIFA president, took exception to and used some comments that I thought were inappropriate uh, in, in, in trying to defend the actions of FIFA. 
On the pitch, uh, an interesting game, Brazil and Croatia, that was controversial. Uh, uh, Brazil has uh, Fred. Uh, Fred's the player. He did a, his great, his best Bill Barber impersonation. I love those names of the Brazilian <laughs> guys. Eh? Well, my personal yeah. favorite is Hulk, and yeah. he certainly looks like a Hulk. But uh, Fred uh, took a little dive in the 71st minute. Uh, like I said, reminded me of the old Bill Barber uh, dives for the Philly Flyers. Uh, certainly the Croatian fans took a little bit of exception to that. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's what happens in soccer sometimes is the referees decide a game. And, uh, you know, Fred went for a little uh, little dive. They get a penalty shot then changes the whole complexion of the game. That was a terrible call. That did change the complexion of the game. It was 1-1 at the time. And, you know, the play, Brazil had an edge, but there wasn't a big edge in play. That game could have been a tie game right through. And uh, that was a difficult one to take. And then there's the Mexican Cameroon game where the linesman misses two onside goals. They, they called them offside, and they were both legitimate goals. And how do you like Cameroon going into a game in the World Cup and getting to the facility two hours before the game, flying in two hours before the opening game? That is so bizarre. I've never heard of that, especially an event like the World Cup. Yeah. Refereeing is always a controversial subject in the uh, in the World Cup, and uh, at various times in various games, they they just don't get it right, and and this has created a controversy. Every other major sport seems to be moving towards video replay uh, on certain decisions. Uh, World Cup uh, soccer has gone to video replay only in the context of whether the ball goes over the line. They haven't gone to video replay on, other, on any other decisions. And I'm not sure soccer is the type of sport where you really can stop the game to review um, offsides or, or penalty calls. It's just that's not the nature of the game. It's a free-flowing game. It's not a stop-time type of game where you stop the time. Um, and unfortunately in soccer, and I, I've been saying it for a long time, uh, the um, you're asking linesmen to do what in sometimes is an impossible task is you're asking them to watch the ball with one eye and watch the players with the other eye to see who's onside and not onside. And sometimes when they're watching the ball, by the time they swivel their heads, uh, somebody who was onside when the ball was, was, was touched uh, appears to be offside. And that's happened throughout soccer history, and it's changed a lot of soccer games, uh, my personal recollection, Italy and Korea in 2002 when we got beat by, uh, when South Korea beat Italy. I noticed you said <laughs> we. You're not being well, objective. Well, 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 I'm not, and we'll talk about the Italy-England Italy <laughs> game in a, little, in, a, in a little bit. But, uh, you know, there's so many games in this history of this sports, the history of this particular sport that have been changed by the calls of the officials and, and the offside calls. How many of them do they get wrong? And, and, and the penalty calls, um, you know, because what is it? I, I, my guess on the statistics for penalties, it's probably 90%, if not more. You give somebody a penalty, you're basically giving them a goal. You know what I love about uh, what they've done is, uh, what is it? A sh- they have shaving cream out there now. <laughs> if they, they're marking off the 10 yards and then they, they uh, spray some shaving cream so that they don't cross that line. Whoever came up with that, it's that was brilliant. brilliant. It's that was absolutely brilliant. brilliant. It just they don't cheat anymore because now they got to stay behind the white line. Because before they used to just edge, edge, and edge towards the ball, so you never had the ten yard, uh, ten yard uh, distance 
between the uh, the the line and and the guy hitting the ball. So I I agree that that's a pretty uh, pretty brilliant innovation. Anyways, we had a fantastic soccer game. Uh, let's talk uh, soccer games. Let's. There's been a few, um, but last night Italy England. Um, it's just it was a marvelous soccer game, and it was a marvelous soccer game because they played soccer. Uh, there was very little diving, very few yellow cards, uh, very few hard tackles, no dirty play, no stalling, no acting, just soccer. And some some incredibly talented players. Uh, I'm. I'm, I'm Huge Italy fan, but I was really impressed with the the team that England brought with them. They've got some youth, they've got some legs, and really, really impressed. Yeah, I liked England. They played really well, and Italy played well too. There's a few holes on the Italian team, but uh, especially the Paletta guy on back on D, he, he can't keep up, and they're going to have problems in the next couple of games if they don't correct that. Well, Prandelli's pretty uh, pretty sharp, um, pretty sharp coach. I'm sure he's going to analyze last night's game and figure out where his holes are. So watch for him to uh, to um, to make some uh, tactical uh, changes in the lineup or in in the formation to cover up for that weakness. But just wanted to go back uh, to remind our listeners that we have a contest fifty dollar Pizzaville coupon. Give us a call at four one six. Three six zero zero seven four zero. Toll free one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Pizzaville coupon. All you have to tell us is who scored the winning goal for Italy last night against England. The the second goal in the two to one victory. Looking at the English team, they have some really good young players in Sterling and Sturridge. Uh, Sterling is going to be one super player. He's 19 years old, and he looks like he's a seasoned veteran out there, Wally. Well, it's it, it, you know, he certainly looked uh, looked. And uh, England had a a few impressive young players. Rooney looked uh, fabulous on that goal that he swung over. Um, certainly talented. Pirlo. Oh my God! What a um, you know the he, like like we were talking about that was Mario Lemieux in the 2002 uh, World Cup of Hockey when he let the ball when he let the puck go through his legs and Korea scored same thing, I mean you know world class players see the game at a world class level and balls coming to him and he just allows it to go through his legs picked up and uh, Marquezio I believe just uh, pops it in pops it in the corner yeah. that's that's what world class soccer players do they just see the game in a way that other people don't see it yeah he's a special player he's thir- i think he's 35 years old and he's announced that he will not be playing after this so this is his last uh, world cup yeah, and last international play and uh he's had a terrific career really good soccer player really good as we mentioned to me this morning italy had in last night's game a 92 percent pass completion rate which is which is absolutely phenomenal and I give I give credit to Prandelli. I mean, he 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 comes in and play wants Italy to play soccer uh, in a free flowing, artistic uh, manner that's 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 pleasing. It's not the old Italian lay back and just play defense type of soccer. So the Italians were really uh, really impressive yesterday. England was impressive, but the Italians really impressed with the brand of game that they brought. And I'm sure in Woodbridge and St. Clair last night, there was probably a lot of partying going on. And uh, 
Hopefully this might be a little run for, for Italy through the Cup. They normally start pretty slowly. Um, and this is this is as impressive as I've seen Italy play in a first game of a World Cup. Now, Wally, what did you think of Sirigu in that for Italy? Um, I had, uh, I mean, we found out uh, I think yesterday morning or Friday night that Buffon wouldn't be playing, and um, I, I didn't didn't trouble me. Uh, Sirigu's a, a, a very good goaltender. He's a young goalie. You know, he's the next generation. Played at a high class level in uh, with PSG, so uh, I, I no concerns about him and Net. I he certainly played well as far as I was concerned. Wasn't impressed with the uh, heart, the goalie for England though. He looked shaky. Well, he, the, the one one play in the whole game he really looked off was when Pirlo hit that uh, that free kick. And Pirlo normally, um, as I, if I use the golf analogy, he draws the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that particular one, he he sort of faded it, which I the the English goalie sort of got confused and he went the wrong way, and the ball swung to the right and it went off the crossbar. With a tremendous spin on it too. Yeah. It was a, what a shot that was. That uh, I had to see the replay to see how it went, and it, it was incredible. Anyways, we have a caller on the line, Mike. What's on your mind? Well, um, I just have a question about you were talking about uh, offsides earlier. Yes, and my question is uh, whether. Uh, the defender has to be between the player at the, at the, at the point of the pass. Does he have to be between them, or can the attacking player be shoulder to shoulder with the defender at the point where the pass is made? My understanding of the of the rule is he has to be level. Uh, it doesn't matter where he's in front of him and back of him, but he cannot be uh, closer to the net than the defender is when the ball is pushed. Okay, so all, all other things being equal. Um, and that's what makes it difficult for the referee. Yeah, uh, there, you, are, there are there are some uh, a few small exceptions to that rule, but that's that's the that's the basis of the rule is the attacking player cannot be closer to the net when uh, when the ball is passed to him than in, than any defender on the field. Right. And that that's what makes it difficult for the linesman because the linesman's got to assess two things at the same time: when the ball is pushed, yeah. and where the where all the players are in terms of the line. And that's sometimes you'll see defensemen all suddenly move forward. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to move forward so that the attackers are offside. And, and a lot of times that works. Yeah, I know. It's very bizarre. I mean, it's so unlike hockey because it, there isn't a, a line mark yeah, or a fixed right. line anywhere. It's a variable or it changes position yeah. and it's all well, got to do with the parallax anyway. Well, the... it certainly makes it interesting. I mean, they, they're... they're there's uh, really no other way of, uh, of of dealing with it, and that's the rule. But uh, thanks for your call. Thank Appreciate you so it. Talk to you later. Anyways, uh, our Pizzaville Trivia Contest, give us a call, 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740. Let us know who scored the winning goal for Italy. We're going to break. We'll be back with John Steinbreder, our special guest, talking about the U.S. Open. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville sponsored the Rogers Cup, presented by National Bank. We're giving away 25 pairs of tickets to the finals weekend between now and July 31st. Plus, one lucky winner will be courtside for the final match, with four front row tickets. My half-brother Raul won't go. He's been to court too many times already. Details at pizzaville.ca or 416-736-3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint & Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. 
Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steels Paint, 4190 Steels Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, once again, give us a call for our, our Pizzaville coupon, 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740. Let us know who scored the winning goal for uh, Italy in last night's game. And uh, you get a shot at that. Anyways, on the line this morning with us, John Steinbretter. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. How's everything? Everything's fantastic. Thank you. I just wanted to tell our listeners a little bit about you. You're an award-winning journalist, senior writer for Global Golf Post. You can find him at globalgolfpost.com, former writer for Sports Illustrated, author of 16 books, and a father. And I understand you have two daughters, Exa and Lydia. So, John, happy Father's Day. Well, thanks very much for that. They're not golfers, but they're uh, <laughs> wonderful kids and uh, lots of fun to be around. And that's what's important. Uh, last time we talked to you, you were at Augusta. And um, it's U.S. Open Sunday, so we want to talk a little bit about uh, what's happening down in Pinehurst. Um, one thing I noticed uh, about Pinehurst, it seems like uh, totally... N- a different type of U.S. Open venue, um, not not what you usually see at the U.S. Open. John, what happened? Well, what happened are uh, the work of two guys, Bill Cord, Ben Crenshaw, who went down there and were asked to by the Deadmans, who own Pinehurst, to to bring it back, return it to its sort of former setup, former style, with a lot of those sandy 
waste areas that are so inherent in the Pine Hills but are so often in golf courses down there, not, not utilized like they were in the past. I think, again, the idea of people wanting greener stuff, rough, uh, tree-lined fairways, that sort of thing that kind of became more and more popular with modern golf course architecture. Well, these guys have kind of gone back to the future a little bit and, and created a, an incredible uh, golf course, I think, an incredibly... Uh, uh, appealing architectural triumph here by having the uh, the wonderful greens, the uh, wonderful fairways, and uh, browned out a little bit, running firm and fast. The uh, greens running pretty firm and fast, and then uh, the areas off of the fairways and off of the uh, the green complexes being that sort of scrubby, sandy waste areas, which which does make it more like a open championship in the UK than it does a a US Open, which for my taste is a lot more fun to watch, frankly. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge I'm a, a student of golf courses as well, and I'm a huge Core Crenshaw uh, fan. Um, they seem to be the dynamic duo of golf course design, and you you make you made the mention, of course, that they like to leave things in their natural state. Uh, this was originally a Donald Ross course. It right, sorry, I shouldn't say originally. It is a Donald Ross course, and uh, Core and Crenshaw is how similar is this today to the way Donald Ross originally designed the course. It's pretty different. I mean, you know, remember when that course was first built, the greens were made of sand. Uh, so there's there's one enormous difference. And um, But, again, one similarity that you will have is, uh, you know, Donald Ross growing up in the town of Dornick in Scotland, um, being Scottish, appreciating and loving the Lynx game. It was a course that was meant to be played, you know, on the ground uh, as a Lynx course would be played. So in that regard... Uh, they've really recaptured that sort of intent of Ross's, I believe, by going back to this more of a link style on the ground, uh, balls running into trouble instead of stopping in heavy rough. They run off of uh, fairways and greens and into trouble. That sort of thing, I think, is a pretty similar uh, uh, a similar approach. But, you know, so much has changed over the years. Uh, the design has been altered over the years, some, of course. And you know, the greens, again, being the biggest factor of yeah. Ross's original greens were made of sand. John, are you surprised at these, uh, a lot of the scores being under par this week? Uh, I, I'm uh, a little bit because, you know, in the past, and I have lots of friends at the USGA, but as you know, they get kind of epileptic if, uh, <laughs> you know, if anybody starts to break par. So I, I think it's I think it's great to see uh, scores down there. I personally, one reason why I love the Masters so much is I, I love to see a, a golf tournament one with seven, eight, nine under par. I don't think there's anything wrong with that and I also love the possibilities as we all do on a Sunday to have people come from behind and I found Marion last year even though I think it's one of the great golf courses in the world and I was delighted that they went back there it was just it, it was like going to the dentist's office it was totally <laughs> painful and incredibly dull you know Justin Rose's great win notwithstanding and what we did watch that final day there especially were a lot of people making mistakes and not and Justin hanging in there which, you know, good on him for that. But I kind of like watching people make shots and make plays and, and excelling. And so this is a different deal than what the U.S. Open is used to doing. Uh, credit to Mike Davis for setting it up this way, and I think it's making for a better tournament. Does anybody have a chance to uh, beat Keimer today? Boy, it's hard. You know, it reminds me a lot of the Masters. And you and I talked that Sunday uh, in April, and you know, Bubba Watson was, you know, had a lead, was never seriously challenged, even though Jordan Spieth got, you know, Got close there in the first few holes, but then Bubba kind of just pulled away and 
I wouldn't say ran away, but there wasn't a lot of drama in the last, you know, nine or ten holes. Um, I think there's a chance, but again, you know, I always look in major championships. I think the biggest divining thing is who's been there before and who's done it. Now, if you had Ricky Fowler there in the lead and somebody like Kamer, you know, four or five back, I'd say it'd be a much different story than having the guy who has won a major championship before and has just won the players in, in the German, and then having you know, kids like, you know, Compton and, and Ricky Fowler, who are great kids and great players, but they haven't. I mean, Compton hasn't won a PGA Tour event. Fowler's only won a couple tournaments as a pro, so. You you wrote a... It's going to be hard. Yeah. Uh, John, yeah, if my memory serves me correctly, you wrote a piece about Ricky Fowler um, at, on Masters.com during Masters Week. Yes, and, I did. He was, um, he was great to talk to. He's a wonderful kid. And he seems to have really... Um, he, he seems to have matured as a golfer in the last little while. You know, up until probably this season or just before, he just he seemed to be more of a brand than a golfer. Um, you know, he's famous for his orange get-ups and his green get-ups. But now, you know, he did well in the Masters. He's contending in the U.S. Open. He's going to be in the final group in the U.S. Open. All the spotlight's going to be on him. Um Tell me a little bit about Ricky Fowler. Um, can he handle this pressure? Uh, you know, I think he can. I mean, I think he's a great kid. He's been, you know, around for a while, a great college golfer at Oklahoma State. And, and you know, I think but he would be the first to admit that he should uh, have done more with his career at this point than he has. And to that end, and to his credit, he went to Butch Harmon um, late last year. And he and Butch have been working together since December or January. And at Augusta, Ricky attributed a lot of his success to working with with Butch, and and I think that is really paying off. I mean, Butch is you know great at what he does, and and the proof is in the pudding there with you know Tiger, with Phil, with others that Butch has worked with, and he I, I think yes, I think he's ready to win a major finally. For a, he's a little bit older, a little bit more mature, and and b, I think his work with Butch is really paying off. He's putting the ball well, he's hitting the ball well. He's just a good kid. I mean, he seems to talk with him and to be around him. He seems to be in a really, really good place. And he's a competitor, and I think he wants to. He wants to win. He wants to do more than he's done, and uh, that's what prompted him to go to Butch. And I think it's going to prompt him to, to do well. So I, I think he's got a chance today. Not a great one, but I think he's definitely got a chance. John, have you heard anything on Tiger Woods and uh, his injury and when he's coming back? I haven't heard a word, you know, and, I, I, and and it is kind of a mystery, isn't it? I think he was a lot more hurt than anyone is uh, than anyone really knew at the time, and you know, I have no idea. I, I can't imagine he'd be ready for the for the British Open Championship. I mean, there's no word of what he's really doing from a practicing standpoint. Um, but no, I haven't. I don't think people really know deep down. Tiger's great at kind of keeping secrets as far as uh, his health and conditions are concerned and, and not revealing a lot of himself in a lot of ways. And so uh, I, I don't know, and I don't know many people that would be able to say accurately that they know right now. We have on the line with us today John Steinbretter, award-winning golf journalist. You can find him at globalgolfpost.com. Um, John, you've written a new book recently, 18 Ways to Play a Better 18 Holes. Tell us a little bit about your book. Well, I'd love to. It was a book that was born out of really competing in this national program down at Sea Island for a number of years. And and what they did were inviting sort of the top um, professionals of top golf clubs around the country to bring three members in and to, to 
playing this event, and 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 these are uh, people from Marion and and Pine Valley and and uh, Cypress and um, Seminole and uh, clubs like that, and. I got to know and meet and spent a lot of time with the head professionals at these places. I mean, iconic guys like Bob Ford and Scott Nye and Jack Druga, Gene Matari. And, and talking with them, I just uh, always been so fascinated with PGA Club Professional and, and all they offer their members and, and golfers, the way they promote the game, the way they teach the game. And I hit on the idea of getting 18 of the best club pros that I knew and getting them to pick a subject very simple subject, and and then articulate on it, and give some insight um, on that subject in this book that would examine several eighteen different ways that you could improve in your golf game. Bob Ford did bunker play. Jack Druga did how to practice effectively. I'm down here at Sea Island right now with Mike Shannon, who did the um, the chapter on putting, and Mike worked with Brant Snedeker and, and Matt Kuchar, among others from the Sea Island area, both of whom are in the you know the top ten right now at uh, at the U.S. Open. Uh, Susie Whaley talked about how to take an effective lesson. Uh, Gene Matari on, on chipping Billy Anderson of uh, Eagle Point on trouble shots. And just went through this book and really had a lot of fun getting each of these professionals to articulate, you know, in, in most cases, incredibly simple, incredibly basic stuff, but a really effective material on how you can get better at golf, whether you're a you know, plus two or three handicapper to, you know, being a 36 handicapper. John. Thanks very much. Um, for our listeners, once again, John Steinbretter, award-winning golf journalist, got a new book out, 18 Ways to Play a Better 18 Holes. I highly recommend it. Check it out at Amazon or on Indigo, at Indigo. Uh, you can order it online. Uh, John, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks so thanks much for so coming much. on. Thanks, John. Uh, great to be with you. All the best. Talk to you Happy soon. Father's Day to you. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, we'll be right back after the break. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. 
It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I got my fill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerati with two toppings each, plus two big Pepsis, the deal is a peach. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Just $13.99, that's low. For show, let's, whoa. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Visit pizzaville.ca or call 736-3636. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. It's time for our golf wisdom segment with our golf guru, Sean Clement. Sean, are you on? Are you there? Good morning, guys. Good morning, Good morning Sean. Sean. And happy Father's Day to you. Thank you very much. I get to drive ten hours today for Father's Day. <laughs> oh, you're going to be you're going to be on the road. You're not going to be watching the U.S. Open. I'm going to try and grab some of it on the way home. Hopefully, uh, my wife will be able to record that for me. Anyways, it's, it's great to have you back. For our listeners, Sean Clement, you can find him on YouTube, the number one internet golf man, and also at www.wisdomingolf.com. If you're a beginning golfer, um, a mid-handicapped golfer, or a scratch golfer, check out Sean Clement. He will certainly improve your golf game, and if you want to see him personally, check him out at the Richmond Hill Golf Learning Center. He will certainly improve your game. Sean, I understand this week we're going to talk about open-face chips, and it's not potato chips we're talking about. No, sir. (laughs) uh, This is one of the questions I get often uh, for for those of you who um, are very close to the pin, around the green and thicker rough, or some of the shots that you'll see uh, in the U.S. Open right now where where they have to, when they chip the ball, it's got to grab and trickle down to the hole. And it's a very delicate chip. But a lot of people have difficulty with this chip because as soon as they open the club face, they feel that they're going to lose the ball to the right. And I, and I want to tell everybody that you, you really don't need to be concerned about direction when you open that club face because at, at 60 degrees of loft or 50, even 56 degrees of loft, when you open up the club face, it will not affect the direction of the ball. Because it's a glancing blow. Now, if you open and you open the driver up 45 degrees, it's going to go at least 42 degrees offline. But a, a lob wedge will go zero degrees offline. Now, when we're talking about open face chips or just chipping in general, just uh, yeah. so our listeners understand, where where are where are these shots taking place on the golf course? Well, you're you're right next to the green, not on the green, and in thicker rough. So you have to pop the ball out of the rough and land the ball very gently on the green and trickle down to the hole. And so what happens when you open up the, the club face and it's a glancing blow, you can add more momentum, which is what you need to get through that thicker grass. And you need more momentum also to impart more spin on the ball. But when people look down at the club face, they feel the need to swing along the, the line of the leading edge of the club, which will take the backswing way too far inside. So what you need to do is pick an intermediate spot in front of the ball, like a couple of feet max, and focus on the direction you want to send the momentum of the swing. So if you want the ball to, say, land one foot left of the pin, 
pick a spot that's going to lead you in that direction and cut the dandelion stem in that direction. So the ball is not a ball, it's a dandelion. And you're cutting the stem of the dandelion with that open-faced leading edge, and, like and, you're sawing across that stem. And what uh, what club uh, what club should uh, golfers be using for that type of shot? You mentioned sixty-degree wedge. There's a sand you need wedge. Sixty-degree wedge uh, with a very low bounce. Uh, the bounce on the sole of the club. It's usually indicated on the club head. You want seven or eight degrees of bounce at the most. Uh, on your lob wedge, which is the ideal amount. It gives you the right amount of bounce for the sand that we talked about, and it, and it really helps you around these particular shots around the green. Now, I find... So if, if, there's a, if there's a video you want to check on that, check out uh, Takeaway Waggle Update, Sean Clement. Takeaway Waggle Update, okay. Yes, and see... <laughs> That's a mouthful. Chip, short chip to short landing. Short chip to short landing. Yes. Oh, fantastic. And uh, bounce, uh, there's so many uh, uh, technical terms in golf. Just a very, very quick uh, explanation of what bounce is on a golf club. Well, if you, if you set the club upside down and you put the shaft perpendicular to the ground and you look at the sole of the club while it's perpendicular to the ground, you'll notice that the angle underneath the sole of the club is not straight. It's got a little bounce to it. It's got an angle to it. That's so that the club doesn't dig when it's in the sand, or it doesn't. the leading edge of the club doesn't catch when you're doing a chip shot. It's like a stone skipping on water. You don't want the leading edge of the stone to hit the water first. Now you've got a submarine. It will not skip on top of the water. So if you want really good club head to turf contact, a good interaction with the turf, that is, then you want to have a slightly open club face, which will engage the, the, the bounce of the club properly and then feel like you're cutting the grass along the ground and you'll get beautiful contact in the center of the club face. And if you direct that energy in the direction you want the ball to go, the ball will go in that direction. Uh, Martin Keimer at the U.S. Open uh, had, had an incredible two days, uh, first two days, yeah. five under Thursday, five under uh, Friday, um, yep. lowest two-round total ever in U.S. Open history. Um, yep. as a, as I played a, the golf course, Walter, and it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I played extremely well my first time out. I shot 77 with 28 putts, and uh, the caddy was uh, instrumental in allowing me to find the putts. But it's just like they describe on TV. Uh, you got to land the ball in an area that's about 10 feet wide. It's unbelievable. And is that what Keimer's doing? Keimer's doing it. Um, it's uh, he's you know obviously third day. There's going to be some hiccups there because they really put the pins in a tough position. Uh, you're literally landing, it's like landing the ball on top of the roof of a car. And uh, and if and if you 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 know if it's a little too short, it runs off the front of the green. And if it's a little over the car, then you're running off the back of the green. Anyway, so it, it puts puts your nerves to the test, and that's what the U.S. Open's all about. Fantastic. Sean, thanks again for uh, joining us in your golf wisdom uh, segment, uh, uh, telling our listeners about uh, chipping in golf, uh, really an important part of the game. Uh, Encourage our listeners. Sean Clement on YouTube. uh, Sean Clement at the Richmond Hill Golf Learning Center. Sean, have a fantastic Father's Day and, uh, and a fantastic week. Thanks a lot, you guys. And just speaking about fathers, our, our kids' camp is uh, starting in a couple of weeks. If you want a great place for your kid to play golf this summer, give us a call.
Thanks so much. Thanks, Sean. All right, guys. That was Sean Clement in our golf uh, wisdom segment. Um, uh, Naz, we have a winner of the uh, Pizzaville Trivia Contest, the $50 coupon. We had quite a few calls with the uh, correct answer. The correct answer is Mario Balotelli scored the second goal and the winning goal yesterday in a 2-1 win over England, which I predicted the score last week. Wally, but <laughs> okay, you just did. Wanted, I'll, I'll just wanted to credit. mention that. I, I predicted a tie, and you predicted 2-1 to one Italy. The winner was Tony Paniello from Toronto. Tony Paniello from Toronto, $50 gift certificate from Pizzaville. Anyways, congratulations, Tony. Um, many of you, our regular listeners, know that we're big supporters of, the, uh, of a charity. It's the Foundation Fighting Blindness. They're doing some fantastic work in vision research and restoring to vision to people whose vision is either lost or compromised. They're having, foundations having a, a, a huge event this coming Saturday, June 21st. It's the Cycle for Sight. It's a fundraising event. It's a cycle from Toronto to Collingwood or from Alliston to Collingwood. I'm personally supporting Dr. Peter Curtis, the Chief of Ophthalmology at Sunnybrook Hospital. Dr. Curtis, you do some wonderful work there. I wish you a fantastic ride, the best of weather, and and we and I thank you for all the wonderful work that you're doing. The Foundation Fight, Fighting Blindness, www.ffb.ca. World Cup soccer is going to be another fabulous week, Naz, um, as we head towards the, the, the quarters and the semis and ultimately the final. Uh, I've got down some interesting matches to watch this week. Um, I've got Germany-Portugal. Uh, uh, Spain, Chile, and Italy, Costa Rica. Uh, Germany, Portugal is going to feature some incredible talent. Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, one of the top players in the world, if not the top player in the world. Very gifted. Very gifted player. Will certainly be watching talent. Spain, they've got themselves in a little... They're, little... In, they're in deep trouble, Wally. <laughs> Uh, deep trouble, but uh, let's not forget Spain lost the uh, first game of the tournament in the World Cup in 2010 as well. If I'm not mistaken, they lost to Switzerland. Certainly not by the the margin that they lost to the Dutch. The Dutch looked pretty overwhelming the other the other day in the second half. Yeah, but Spain looked like they were uh, not even there. That that game wasn't even close. Like the Netherlands have a good have good players, but the Spain shouldn't have lost five one to that team. Well, I, I think uh, what's happened to Spain is they've gotten a little slow in the back end. Um, certainly not. Uh, they don't have the pace back there. The legs have gotten a little bit a uh, little bit too much mileage on them. But uh, don't count Spain out. Believe me, there's there's uh, you know the 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 center of soccer in the world these days is La Liga in Spain, and uh, yep. you know you know between Barcelona, Real, and Atletico, and uh, not that they're all Spanish players on those teams, but uh, uh, those teams have done incredibly well with a lot of Spanish talent on them. So don't don't count the Spaniards out. They're still they're still capable of playing the game at an extremely extremely high level. Here's and, something for you, Wally. Uh, Brazil would they be favorites if they were weren't playing in Brazil? I've not been. Imp- I wasn't impressed uh, on Friday in Friday's game. Yeah, I, I think what's happened in uh, they, they probably wouldn't be favorites if they weren't playing in in in, uh, in Brazil. There, there's the gap between the top teams and the bottom teams is is has narrowed significantly, and any team is really capable of beating another team. Uh, as Costa Rica proved yesterday, they you know Costa Rica, 
you know, they come from the Sad Sack uh, Conference of Soccer, which is CONCACAF, and they beat Uruguay, which finished, if I memory serves me correctly, finished fourth in the last World Cup. So that was certainly an incredible upset and an incredible game. Um, Italy, Costa Rica. If I were the Italian fans, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't take Costa Rica lightly. No, they looked pretty good yesterday. They look pretty good. And that game's on Friday, so we're certainly going to be watching that game. Naz, what's your pick of the week? I have an upset. Portugal beating Germany this week. Okay, we'll certainly look for that. We'll be watching World Cup soccer the entire week. We hope we get as good a games this week as we had at the start of the tournament. It should be incredible. Thanks for listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We'll, uh, we'll be back here again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.